from my background, I never thought I was going to work in banking. I started at American Express in the UK. I've worked in Tokyo. I worked in New York, Seattle, and I've moved mainly from the fintech kind of like world at American Express into startups in the US. And then I was working at Amazon, all on payments. So it's been some consistency throughout. But I never thought I'd end up working at a bank because my vision of a bank has always been this monolith that is very slow moving and doesn't quite understand the customers, doesn't kind of like move with the times. And then I found this opportunity at Santander to sort of come. And I, I actually met with Anna Batin. Uh, she actually interviewed me, which was actually extremely scary in, in itself. And then I even remember that the board turned up and was standing behind me as we were finishing the interview. So I must have done something right because I got in. But really, her vision was she understood that the banks need to change. She understood that we are not thinking about the customers. We are thinking about profitability. There is a legacy mindset that needs to evolve. And she wanted people like me from outside the industry to work with the great talent within the bank to create this new mindset. So that's, that's kind of like my view on how the banks need to change and what needs to evolve. But really, it comes from you've got to start thinking about the customer. You know, it's, it's not about profitability. Hopefully, when the customer, you improve it and you'll find great ways to monetize things. But if you're not building things a customer want, then I, I'd argue you're wasting your time. But how do you know what the customer wants? You have to talk to them. I, I'm not a, a, the, the person who came up with all these ideas, but certainly somebody who's experienced these things. One of the great things at Amazon uh, was that you would have to go and work in the factory. So every three years as part of my contract over when I was there, you would actually have to go into the, into the factory. You'd actually have to go and do all the different jobs, like picking the products out the shelves, packing the lorries, putting labels on them, uh, you know, all, all the work that goes on. So you really have a deep understanding of the actual business. And in the same way, you've got to have that understanding. So you need to be going into branches, talking to people. Maybe that's a little bit different now, but doing lots of research, understanding what, how consumers use your products. And I think this is where you know, even the tech world can understand because I think the tech world is really great at doing a ton of research in the beginning when you're building out your MVP, which I hate that term. But then they're kind of like, okay, my job's done. I've got into, into market. So you know, there's such a great difference in skill set between you know people who build products and people who manage them and i think people who manage them that skill set is not where it needs to be so it's continuous interaction with your customers and continuous improvement. taking that further forward i'm told that you believe the new banker should be and i quote a product-led technology enthusiast is that what we're talking about we're talking about somebody who actually understands how the changing technology can be implemented to make the customer experience better? The way I've, I've kind of like noticed things and things have changed massively, even over the two years I've been at Santander. But when I first started, it was very much, you would have a business team and I would sort of even sort of say that definition of a product manager wasn't even there. Normally it's, it's a project manager or a marketing lead. Somebody who actually owned that customer experience was missing. So, you know, we've really worked hard to develop that. But then also when it came to defining your requirements and how your product work and what would be important for that customer to see it was almost like throwing it over the fence to an outsourced engineering team who would take those requirements there was some communication between the business and the tech but it was largely like the business people didn't really understand how things were built and the engineers didn't really see what the customers wanted to experience or see the research firsthand so there was that kind of like disconnect 
And then, you know, people would, you know, there was a lot of frustration because what you end up building wasn't the same as what was asked for, but then you put it under the umbrella of an MVP and it's okay because you're getting something to market and you get customers to see it. And I think that's where, you know, this minimum lovable product concept comes out. It's like you have to build something that customers want from day one. Don't get caught up in kind of like building stuff out there because you said, right, on this particular time, I'm going to build something and launch it and therefore make all the concessions along the way on the customer experience so that you can just meet that timeline. I think it's more important to agree what is the minimal customer facing lovable product that I want to put into market and, and build that and get it out there first. And has that changed? We obviously have an experience over the last few months of the pandemic how customers interact with you, how you interact with your customers has changed. You talked earlier on about going into branches and doing research. Who's going into branches these days? Nobody's going into branches. Nobody is. Nobody is. So it's so important not to lose that customer interaction. So yeah, branches was a great way to sort of get firsthand experience. So people are not going in there anymore. So how we help customers get over the digitization barrier. People talk about digitization of money, that the use of uh, tapping your card now and using your mobile phone, which is great. And especially in, in markets like the UK, you know, you've got all of these contactless terminals. But, you know, I go and see my mum, and I've used this example before, but she still pulls out a purse full of cash and she doesn't understand how to actually use her credit card or her phone. So us in the industry can get caught up in this new technology and be driven by it. But then you're actually finding huge swathes of customers who are not comfortable with it. So the way to improve it is not about launching new products. It may be about doing some education, just showing that it's actually safe and secure to use e-com. It's, it's okay to uh, put your card, you know, load it into your phone and how to do that and how to actually tap on a terminal with your card. So all of those things, you know, you you need to figure out first before we start thinking too much about great new tech. All right. You've thrown around this term MVP. You've thrown around the term minimum MLP, minimum lovable product. What do you exactly mean by minimum lovable? Again, this isn't my idea. I don't hold hold the pattern on it or anything like that, but it's something that is just um, really resonated with me. In the past, when you're building a product, you set yourself goals, you have internal objectives, you have budgets to meet. And what happens is you, you make concessions on the customer experience. If you don't have the right kind of mindset in product management, and that's someone in the room when you're making all of these concessions, and which naturally happens, if nobody's championing that customer experience, then the simplest thing to take out is features and to reduce the customer experience that you wanted to, to put into the market. You make concessions on it constantly. And that's where I think the MVP model and approach breaks down because you end up with just putting something out there because that's what your budget says or that's what your timeline says, but you've forgotten the reason why you were going to do it in the first place, which was like you were meeting a customer's pain point and you're trying to solve it. So I think if you, if you, think, if you start and work backwards from that customer pain point that you're trying to solve, and you may have identified it at the very beginning, you've got to ask yourself throughout the process, am I still going to solve this problem? And that's what that minimal lovable product ensures is that you do solve that problem with whatever you put out there. It doesn't mean that you don't test and learn. You absolutely should. But there has to be a minimum uh, that the customer wants. Okay, so what does the next generation or perhaps the current generation even of banker look like compared to the, to the banker of the past? What mindset, what skill set does the banker of today and tomorrow need to have that they wouldn't have had previously? 
I think you've got to be familiar with technology. It is the way that we build products. So, you know, this this kind of like high level banking leadership where you just kind of like make decisions from, from altitude, that doesn't work anymore. High level leadership like that are the kind of people who ring up IT and say the cord on the foot pedal of their computer isn't long enough. There's that or, you know, to start referring to buzzwords like cloud and APIs and not really understanding exactly what they mean. A great example is, is blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and all that sort of stuff because it's, it's a great technology, but there isn't a use case at the moment clearly defined. So people lead with the technology and then try and find a use case to fit it. So I think it's, it's that new banker mindset needs to be engaged. It, I, I do regular customer reviews on experience. So, you know, I've got a big team, so all of them are delivering products. And I haven't outsourced to somebody else the review of that customer experience. So I regularly sit down and say, right, we started here. What does the onboarding flow look like? Why are you asking for this field from the customer? Do we actually need it? Or is this a nice to have? How do we simplify the process? How do we make it easier constantly? So getting in and getting into the details um, on the product with the customer experience, with your team, understanding how exactly these products are architected in a modular and, and in a way that allows you to launch faster and quicker every single time. The biggest challenge I think banking has at the moment is disintermediation, commoditization of services, because the idea of an open platform is a level playing field nobody can hide in. Can any institution cope with that while at the same time devoting the energies and the investment to what you've described? I'll give you a great example. So I've just launched, actually, uh, it was in April 16th on my birthday, uh, a new product called Pago FX. And the concept behind this was the easiest place to make an international payment is from your bank account, full stop. That's the simplest place because that's where your money is and you want to send it out. However, banks today have made it super difficult. They're not transparent on their fees. They charge a lot of money and left that disintermediation opportunity open for people like TransferWise and Revolut and all these folks to come in. And even when you're on TransferWise, if you want to make a payment, you've got to still go into your bank account and transfer the money to TransferWise to be able to do it. So the fact that we've kind of added steps onto the process and people still go and, and are drawn to these uh, disruptors means that banks are not doing what they need to do. So Pago FX solves that problem. You know, we've made it super si simple now to make a, a transfer. We have the security uh, of the bank. And, you know, I think people often forget that you've got the tech savvy people out there who do like these new apps. But when it comes to your money, there's a lot of people that are not comfortable going out there and using these great new tech companies. And there's a ton of people out there that still just want these experiences built into their banking. Ultimately, what I want from a bank is to look after my money and for my money to be there when I want to use it. Yes, there can be lots of additional issues and services and requirements above that. But the bottom line is my money safe, available when I want it. Exactly. I mean, you should be able to do whatever you want from the banking experience itself. But equally, you don't want, and, and bank apps tend to do this a lot, is then put a thousand features in front of you. It's kind of like, then you don't really know what to choose anymore. So you end up withdrawing from it. So it's just being intelligent about how to use it. And there's no reason why you know, a banking app can't be customized to you. The banking needs of an 18-year-old are very different to those of an 80-year-old. Yet banks are very often just providing the exact same experience for the huge range of customer solutions there. So I think it's about feeling that, uh, that this, this experience that you're getting from your bank is personalized to you. And then I think you'll really resonate with customers.